everyone, and welcome this to this the Legion Myth weekly live stream, episode 123. Yes, we're all excited. We have our special host today, Alex Garthon Marsh, with Garthon's Confl, and Brett Heathen Dog Grissomar. Yes, hello everyone. Glad to be doing? here. How you doing? Today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I like it. You my like my it? day's been yeah, my, my day's been going pretty well. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Let's see, uh, I had an exciting day. I uh, did stuff and things. Did stuff and things, wow. I did, and, and stuff. Now, I uh, ended up taking advantage of Star Trek Online's mm. experience, what, upgrade weekend? We get double experience XP for upgrading items. Yes, upgrade weekend and Phoenix Phoenix Prize Pack weekend yes. and Dilithium weekend all in one. A beautiful so you combination. can mine that. Yeah, you can mine that Dilithium using to buy those prize packs. Use the prize packs to get the universal upgrades, and then upgrade everything because it's it's worth double. I have upgraded everything I have. Well, everything I use to, you know, epic for not wait. Level uh level four well, rank fourteen uh dark purple, so mark mark fourteen ultra rare. Yes, not epic. Yeah. But just, no. you know, some is just Epic's expensive, that. man. Yeah, it gets crazy. But if you can do it, it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, it's worth it if you can do it. I mean, you get a, for weapons, you get a plus accuracy and damage buff just yeah. for that. You just know, so that's it. nice. It's nice. So uh, I've been testing out my ship. Uh, seems like when I run through normal missions, I run through them pretty easy with all my upgrades. Mm -hmm. uh, when I run through foundry missions, eh, the ones I've run through uh, have honestly been terrible missions, and they uh, blow me up real fast. <laughs> But don't don't spoil it because it's going to be on team up. <laughs> Can't don't spoil it. Do that <laughs> ah, but the segments we have for you tonight are Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma with anime on the stream, talking about Muv Love, Total Eclipse, and Broken okay. Blade. And yep. Garthon's Cog Poll going over three big books: Avengers number ten, X Men Gold number nine, and Batman number twenty eight. Then some random stuff in the RNG where we talk about the randomness of the universe. Oh yeah. Second law, thermodynamics, all that stuff. But first, to protect us from the eventual collapse of the universe, here's a disclaimer. Ooh. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire vast, powerful, and legally binding Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or even offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Though we do make an effort to keep it family friendly here. Not Manson family friendly either, like you know. No, no, none of that. Like you let your kids listen in. Yes, you can. As a matter of fact, uh, one one of our uh, one of our guest hosts, Cthulhu Law, he said that he would allow his daughter to listen to this broadcast, and she's six years old. Oh, so that's very that, pleasant. That that is either a, a glowing statement of our family friendliness or um, a, a horrible rebuke at our level of language. Like or he just doesn't like it. her very much. Or he doesn't like her very much, but, you know, she's she's pretty at least, so there's that. That's what I got going for me, you know. Yeah, she's cute. She's, she's got that cute kid syndrome going. That couldn't be unfortunate when you get older. Yeah, when you get older, yes. And as, as, long, as, they don't, as long as they don't throw her into pageants or anything, oh, that's we're, we're probably fine. We're yeah. probably fine. But yeah. if, he, if he does that, I'm going to have to cry foul. Come but over there and call, call You somebody. can like, subscribe, or comment upon these videos. Uh, that we do when we does them on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. YouTube, YouTube got 
dot com slash c slash well legion of myth underscore page yeah but just really search legion of myth man you can do yeah, that Yeah, go to reddit type in legion of myth go to facebook type in legion of myth go to twitter look at at legion of myth go to discord well that's a little well, yeah but look for legion of only myth. if we like yeah go yeah. to facebook messenger legion of myth or our yep. steam community you can type in guess what kids legion of myth yeah. The Audio Versus podcast can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, or quality mm-hmm. aggregators everywhere. It's true. And as always, if you want to support this, lots of options, kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could uh, do a Twitch subscription, Patreon subscription. Just look for Legion of Myth. Streamlabs at twitch.streamlabs.com slash Legion of Myth. PayPal directly, paypal.me slash Legion of Myth. Or you could get our gear, our super hip gear that all the kids want. That makes the girlies want to scream and then the homies say ho at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. That's right. That's right. Try to keep members of the opposite or sometimes same sex off you when you wear these. I dare you. It depends on your vibe. Whatever yeah. you're throwing out in the universe, this this shirt will well, amplify it. I, the I mug, agree. amplify it. The hoodie, oh my God, stop. And I'm not even going to talk about the tote bag. No, I can't. No, I can't do it. Is it like one of Schrodinger's bags? I like those. There's no cat in it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a fox and it's a, a fox. baby umber right. hulk. What does the fox say? Oh my god, I'm dying. Maybe. Maybe. Check. <laughs> I don't know. Open the bag. Find out. Find out. <laughs> All right. Well, before we discover those horrible things about the universe, uh, let's talk about something a little more fun, my friends. Something that I know you've been waiting for. Something that'll warm the cockles of your heart. As if you just took a nice drink of your favorite adult beverage. It is Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, with anime on the stream. That's right. Uh, Anime on the stream is anime, either movies or series, that you can find on either Netflix or Hulu. Now, most people have Netflix and Hulu, so there you go. Or one of them, so no more money required. Yay! Today... Today we're a little Hulu heavy because they're both series. Uh, Netflix is usually anime film heavy, uh, but today I'm doing two two series, so they're both Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, get it, or just watch it for free and use commercials. Eh, whatever. But uh, our first anime is called Move Love Alternative Total Eclipse. Now, Move Love is a is a conden- is a condensment of two words that are really long, and I don't feel like muddling through, so I'm not going to do that. But what I'm going, to, I'm going to do is tell you a little about it. Uh, it all starts in uh, in the early 70s when uh, uh, aliens landed on the Earth. And you're like, yay, aliens. And But then people were like, hey, aliens. And the aliens killed them. Uh, these aliens said they're really creepy aliens. They are. And don't worry, you're going to get to see them later on, all of them. I, got a, I, got a, I found a beautiful picture that, that explains all of them. You're going to get to see them. But uh, these aliens don't, don't interact with people. They don't have language that anyone can tell. They don't have any drive at all except to kill people so that's what they do and it's been it's been 30 years uh, a little, little after a little more than, than 30 years since and the war is still going on because these things are that strong all right and uh the the series opens with a, a joint u.s japanese um kind of a partnership to to uh, develop the next version of of the of the uh, strike fighter that, that they used to, uh, to, to the uh, giant mech that they used to fight these guys. The next version to help to help people, to help the human race kind of win because we've slowed the advance, but 
it hasn't stopped, and well, we have not because, gained any ground. Well, naturally, if you're going to fight aliens, you need to have mecha. You do. I mean, it's it's a it's a given. That's and why plus, they've been it, losing so long. They need yeah, mecha. exactly. It's it's proven that tanks and planes don't do a whole lot. Oh yeah. So they had to do something. But before we get before we finish all that, let's get into the particulars of this thing. And we're looking at uh, it was directed by Masaomi Ando, uh, written by Takayuki Inagaki, uh, music by Seku Nagaoka. Uh, the studio is IXTL. That may be an actual name for something, but if you can pronounce it, you're a better man than I. Pff, maybe, but that sounds alien, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, Satellite, I guess. And licensed by Hanabi, Sentai Filmworks, and MVM Films. The original networks were TV Tokyo, TVH, ATX, TVA, and Nico Nico Duga. I'm gonna always going to say Nico Nico when I, when I say that because I think it's funny. The original run... <laughs> Probably not. The original run was July 2nd, 2012 to... December 23rd, 2012. Yeah, there's 24 episodes, and you can watch them on Hulu. Uh, now, they're running a lot of episodes per week then, I guess. <laughs> I guess they were, yeah. 24 of them, that's true. All right, now uh, we're going to get to the main characters. Main char- the main protagonist is Yuya Bridges, all right? He is, uh, he is the U.S. portion of the U.S.-Japanese Joint Task Force type thing. And uh, he is a Navy ensign. He is a strike fighter pilot, a, a mech, mech pilot. As an ensign? And- as, a, as an ensign, yeah, you uh, just yeah. have to be an officer. And well, oh, trust me. If you've been killed me. by aliens for 30 years, you'll take whoever you can Yeah, get. yeah, yeah. You'll take anyone you can get. I, I think they even have warrant officers piloting mechs in, in some, oh, in, in some uh, countries. You can pilot helicopters. Exactly. Yeah, you can pilot a helicopter. We need bodies. Throw them in the mech. You know, great. And he is Japanese American, which is one of the reasons he was chosen for this. The other is that he has a bad attitude. No one wanted to work with him. Uh, as he, uh, when he was a kid, his father was Japanese and his mother was, was American. When his father left, when he was still in the in the womb, all right. When he when his when his when his wife was still pregnant with him, That's and he never came back, all right. And so uh, his grandfather, his his maternal grandfather, uh, kept over the years just berating Japanese people for being awful and lazy and Dang. and just stupid because because of how one of them hurt hurt you know his daughter, That's which I the get. Other way around, they're supposed to berate Americans for being lazy. Yeah, but apparently it goes the other way when when you live in the deep south, which is what they had to move to. Oh, super! Yeah, he was the only the only Jap- half Japanese kid, the only half anything kid in his town. So he was he was bullied and tormented a lot when he was young, and he right. grew up hating the Japanese. May, uh, partly because of what his grandfather instilled in him, and partly because his father left him, and partly because he had some self hatred. Well, yeah, that would happen. And then we, we go to the uh, the second protagonist. This is the main female. Uh, this is Yui Takamura. Now her father uh, engineered the the first effective Japanese strike fighter. All right, so she has a lot she has a lot to live up to. She she is on the development team for this strike fighter that Yui Bridges is going to test pilot as part of the joint venture. She is a first lieutenant in the Imperial Royal Guard of Japan, and. Uh, she was in training when when Kyoto, when Kyoto fell to the to the beta, and in, in that instance, they just threw everyone who had any training into a mech and said go. So she and and her classmates went, and she is the only one to survive her platoon. The only so one. She's she, good or lucky. No, no, she she's lucky because she wasn't good. I mean, she had talent, but not enough practice to actually utilize that talent. You know, she, she, she wasn't a regular army. She was still in high school. Right. But in, in, in Japan, they had you training from 15 
to to pilot a Mac. Well, that's no different because than you, that. Were, you were going to pilot a Mac for at least a few years, you know, because that's now mandatory pretty much everywhere. Well, yeah, like I said, I don't think that's any different than now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. So, yeah. So uh, so she she got some PTSD from that and it really changed her personality. Uh, so, yeah, it starts off. She is an ice queen. They, they, they call it the they call it the princess, you know, stuff like that. She is not a loved character in the beginning of the series. It doesn't then, sound like then, any of the characters are very uh, relatable yet. Well, no, no. Yuki, it, uh, yeah, uh, Yuya, sorry. Yuya is uh, is a pretty relatable guy. He's a he's he's a guy you'd want to have a drink with, you know? All right, fair. You know, he, he's, he's not going to start a fight in a bar, but, man, if one starts, he's going to finish it. And you want to be on his side. But uh, we, we, we go to the next slide and we see the Argos test flight. These are the other three members of their of their strike, of their joint uh, testing, uh, you know, test pilot force. And that's uh, from left to right, Stella, Teresa, and Valerio. Uh, they are all from countries that uh, have fallen to the beta. Their, their countries were basically just all the way overrun. Uh, Stella is from Sweden. Uh, Teresa, I believe, is from Greece or Turkey. And Valerio is from ta -ta -da, Italy. <laughs> That's where he's from. So uh, they, they don't have a country anymore. So they, they, they joined the United Nations branch of, of the military just because oh, they yeah, needed a sponsor. Yeah, they know where to go. They need a sponsor. And, and they wanted some payback. Well, yeah, naturally. Yeah. So the, they, were, they were assigned to this task force. At first, they didn't, they didn't care so much for Yuya because... Well, you know, he, he started off as brash and uh, and he seemed to not be a very good pilot because he couldn't pilot the mech. And to show you that, I'm going to uh, there's clip number one. Are we ready for, for it? Oh, we are. We are ready for it. Hang on. Let me see. Clip number one. Yep. There you go. Go ahead. Where'd it go? Where's my clip? Oh, no. Don't tell you lost the clip. You good? some reason it's not showing up okay we will discover why let's try it again all right there we go okay good yeah and we have here uh yuya he's piloting the uh the the test japanese mech that he's supposed to be he's supposed to be running and he's not doing very well this this thing is kicking his butt yeah he's and he very says temperamental it's going all over the place yeah, yeah, and here we go. Uh, there's something when he actually gives the report to the to Yuya or Yui. He says he says it's an even more unbalanced piece of crap. Yep. Yes, he did. Uh, he he is in the mindset that all Japanese stuff is crap, so he can't sub subconsciously he can't pilot this thing. Oh, okay, that makes sense. All right. Yeah, because he hates it because it's Japanese and he hates all things Japanese. All right. So it takes him a while to to get it out of his head that not all Japanese things are crap and then get into his head that to pilot this thing, you have to get into the mindset of the, the Japanese way of fighting because it's it's balanced and and uh, and powered completely differently than a U.S. version. The U.S. version goes for fast forward, back, left and right and uh, immense power in the in strikes. You know, and maneuverability is second to that. Whereas the Japanese mindset is maneuverability is key to winning a battle. 
because if, if you can maneuver to uh, an, an open spot in the enemy, a, a weak point, or you know behind them or above them, one strike, no matter how powerful it is, will take down an enemy. Right. So and that's also, what they, they go if for. their weapons are overwhelmingly powerful and you can't armor up enough enough effectively anyway. Might as well go maneuverability. Right. Yeah. And uh, we're we're going to see later that uh, that these beta are mostly, for the most part, heavily armored. So you really have to find a weak spot to be effective. Un, un, you know, unless you have you somehow have overwhelming power as well, which not not a lot of people don't. That's why nobody's winning. Fair enough. And then we're going to go look at the beta. I, I I promised you a list of the beta, and we have it right here. There is the, starting from the top left, the little green dude. How are you doing? I'm a little green dude. He's not that little. He's actually something like a... Three meters tall. Oh, he is that little. Okay, three meters tall. This is the... Three the meters lower, isn't the, little. That's yeah. twice as tall as a person. Well, compared to these other guys, that's pretty little. Oh, yeah. Uh, th this, this is a laser class. Those little eyeballs, those big eyeballs you see, actually shoots lasers into the sky, destroying all aircraft. All right? Yeah. So, uh, Japan, China... Yeah, J Japan and China have lots of laser class around, so they don't have an Air Force anymore. The The, the laser class hasn't made an appearance in the U.S. Uh, at, at the beginning of the series, so so they, they still have bombers and aircraft and stuff like that. Probably still and then pretty, we have, have a pretty major Air Force still. Yes, they still have a pretty major Air Force. Uh, then there's the heavy laser class, which is, mu which is much larger, 21 meters tall. And uh, this, this, this thing basically sweeps the sky. I mean, you start at one end, you sweep to the other, and whole whole fleets are just gone then there's there's the grappler class which is 12 meters tall this is uh kind of like a a frontline infantry unit you know where you actually they're like crabs you grab grab on to say tanks or or an, any kind of uh, mechanized vehicle and just crush it then there's the destroyer class on the bottom left the destroyer class goes in and basically flattens towns i mean they just they just run to like rhinos they just run forward and smash everything in front of them that 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 carapace on top is immensely powerful and immensely thick. So to to kill it, you basically have to either take out its legs or get behind it first. But the thing is, they come in giant waves, like huge waves, like fifteen deep and a hundred long. So getting behind them, a little tough, because most people can't jump that high. And the higher you go in the air, the more vulnerable you are to the laser classes. And then, then we, we go to the top right. This is the Fortress class beta. This thing is 66 meters tall. This thing takes out, well, fortresses. I mean, it, it, it takes out bunkers, uh, um, uh, high, high security bases. I mean, you, you send in one or two of these things and it just pounces them. Then we have the, the tank class beta. They actually uh, uh, come in right after the destroyers and uh, uh, take out whatever's left, really. Uh, the warrior class beta comes in after that and takes out people. They they target people along with the soldier class. They they actually take people and rip them apart. Uh, mechs that are that are disabled, but the pilot is still alive. They'll actually take the time pry open the can to get at the GUI inside and crush it. So they have a lot of a lot of moving parts, but all of them work seamlessly together. All right. Now, the, these these beta were first spotted on Mars in 1958 by by a satellite probe. And people were like, oh, there's, there's alien life on Mars. That's great. Maybe how do we get there? I mean, it's Let's still say it's, hi. Yeah. How do we say hi? It's 1958. We can't really send people there. How would we do that? And then as they were figuring out how to do that, they found them on the moon in 1967. Like, oh, crap, they're getting closer. And 
they actually sent people to the moon say to say hi and these things immediately attacked and destroyed every human being there so then they're like okay well maybe we should start thinking about hey defense might to, be in order yeah how to fight these things because they're getting progressively closer they're only one small little hop skip and or jump from earth and in 1973 they made that little hop skip and a jump and they came to earth they landed in china and in canada uh like i said they they cannot or will not communicate with humans they just don't care or we can't communicate with them that they, they, they think that we're the infestation on the earth and the, they're helping the planet by killing us possibly nobody knows because we can't talk to them ever and all they want is to kill humans that's it you know, regular animals and stuff, they just walk by or, or crush because they don't care. Yeah, they yeah, just they don't care. They pretty much kill everything. And we have a clip number two of, of these uh, these various beta in action. Let's go to that beautiful footage. Oh, they're ugly. Ooh, it's they not pretty. They are tanking their way across. Yeah, there's the tankers there. The, the, the destroyers already came in. As you can see, it's all smoky in there. And there's one of the giant ones, one of the fort yeah, class. There's the fortress class, yep. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Well, that's nice. That's some nice nightmare fuel. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not. It's not great. Uh, no one likes that, and uh, people commonly get extremely scared. And they really, they really showed that well. I really liked it uh, when when new new fighters in in the in the strike vehicles would 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 fight the uh, the beta for the first time. You would see the fear, and they're crying like, "Oh my God, this is horrible. I'm never going to sleep again." Type things that are going through their mind. And uh, during during that the uh, the Call of Cthulhu thing, where just seeing them, they had to make sanity checks, and they lost because they're so inhuman. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> that's entirely that's entirely right. Absolutely right. As a matter of fact, Yui, the the uh, the female protagonist, um, uh, her her friends were all trained while in high school to tell them, listen, the first eight minutes is the most important. The very first time you fight the beta. If you live past the first eight minutes, you're good. Probably because you're mentally hardened up enough that point to accept that they're there. And and still fight. Mm -hmm. So if you live past the, past the first eight minutes, you're good. If you're not good, you're dead. And that's and it. Most people don't live through that eight minutes. Exactly right. Yes. So uh, what do I think of this? Well, uh, I gave this four out of five stars. Oh. Uh, the, the reason I did that was it had great action. The action sequences were amazing. They they didn't they didn't blur the high the high fast movements. They didn't do any any weird camera tricks where where they were trying to pretend it was fast but but save on animation. They, didn't they do spend a lot of time holding one position, going ah. Nothing like up. that. Oh. Nothing like that. They actually did did a good job depicting all the action. It was really nice. Character development was great. The the uh, changes in Yuya from the beginning to the end of the series were not only dramatic but also completely explained along the way. So there was no leap of faith or or stretch of logic to get you from A to B. You know, you you saw all the things that 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 affected his temperament and how they affected him, and they're all believable. It was great. And uh, Yui. Uh, she uh, she actually uh, went from being this, the cold-hearted princess in the beginning to uh, an actual uh, P less PTSD-affected woman uh, at the end of the series. And everyone else also had that development. N not as much as a degree because they're supporting cast, oh, yeah. but they, they still had that development all along the way. No one was left behind in the character development department, which I love. Very cool. And Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the last part is 
from the very first episode, it really hit home that humanity was on the cusp of extinction. It really, really drove it home, but not in your face. It drove it home by uh, you're listening to characters talk, but in the background on a, on a TV screen, you're, you're hearing about another city fall, how they're only, they're only the, the main front's only 40 miles away from the city that you're currently in. You know, it's, it, it did stuff like that all throughout the series, you know, to, to show the, the impending and, and ever creeping toward you doom. Again, very well written. I like that a whole lot. The only thing I didn't like about this, and it really would have only gotten it minus a half a star. But it did it way too much, so I had to blow down a whole star. Now, to be fair, the the, the first attack happened in 73. The Cold War was still hot, all right? There, there is still a USSR, except that they, they live mostly on Alaska now because Asia was basically overrun at that point. Remember, uh, one of the main spots to land was in China. Well, if you're going to land, aim for the largest land mass. Exactly. They land in China, and they quickly took over China because they had no defense against this. It took years to actually bring the strike fighters in to have some, some kind of effectiveness. But the, the political crap about this thing is so heavy-handed and so awful that, come on, man, you've been, you've been fighting these babies for 30 years. You're, you're losing in slow motion, all right? Humanity is dying in slow motion, but you still have that red threat and U.S. capitalist dog crap. I mean, come on. Right away, I get it. Like, within 10 years of the initial invasion, I get it. It's hard to do that. But after 30 years, that's a whole generation of people growing up, serving, living, and dying in a world that the biggest threat is literally aliens from space, not not the crappy commies, all right? Wasn't that uh, one of the premises of the Watchmen series? That uh, yes. he fakes an alien invasion to get people to get along. Yes, he does. But apparently the real thing doesn't work. Not in this universe anyway. So I, I had to bump... After your country is gone, goes from you know, this landmass of the Soviet Union to Alaska, you would think you'd kind of say, maybe this comedy thing isn't working for us. Exactly right. But hey, you know what? That didn't do that. That's why they knocked down a whole star. So it is definitely not a waste of time. I mean, I had fun watching it. You have to forgive the, uh, the political nonsense. But other than that, four stars, excellent work. Very nice. Okay, I had to go a little quicker now. Our, our next one is Broken Blade. Now, this one was fun. I got to tell you, it has more problems than the first, but it, it was it was it was a fun deal. Uh, it's it's a world where uh, everyone can use magic, and and magic is defined as the ability to uh, channel psychic energy through quartz crystals. And you and everyone powers quartz everything with quartz. Okay, yeah. there's there's no fossil fuels, nothing like that. Everything's powered with quartz. And e even even the giant mechs, they're powered with quartz. Fair enough. That's, the, that's the whole premise of the whole thing. Now, let's let's get to particulars of this one. Uh, this one was directed by Nobuyoshi Habara, uh, written by Masashi Sogo, music by uh, Hoshihisa. Oh, can you handle that one? Yoshihisa? Yoshihisa, thank you very much. Hirano. And studio is production IG, and I'm going to say Zebek because in English, X's are usually pronounced Z's. Uh, licensed by Madman Entertainment, Sentai Filmworks, and MVM Films, just like the last one. Uh, original network was Tokyo MX, Sun Television, and BS11. Original run was April 6, 2014 to June 22, 2014. 12 episodes. That's about one also, also found on Hulu. Now, uh, we're going to go to the main characters. Uh, main character, the main protagonist is Rygart Arrow. Uh, he was born one of the one in a million shot of an unsourcer, someone who does not have the ability to use quartz at all doesn't 
His whole world runs on quartz and he can't right. touch it. I mean, he can touch it, but it's just a friggin' rock. It's just a rock. Just like you and I, it's just a rock. It's pretty, but it's a rock. So his life was hard from jump. Uh, his, his father pulled every favor he had, uh, loaned, uh, to, took out loans and everything to, for him to attend, uh, the, the Assam military school. Uh, he wouldn't be able to actually use any weapons because they don't use gunpowder. They use quartz propelled bullets, quartz propelled slugs. All right. So you got to bring your own energy to make the quartz happen. Exactly right. You got to be able to, to manipulate quartz to actually even fire a gun in this world. So the quartz was not with him. No, the quartz was not with him, but uh, he did that because uh, the military school had a vastly superior education system, basic education system than anything else he could get. All right. So he wanted his son to have every advantage because he was born with none. I get it. He was one of the four problem children of Assam military school. And they, they yeah. were they were famous in their in their in their class. You know, there there was four of them and each of them had their own gifts and each of them had their own failures. And, and during 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 the school, their failures were just really pronounced they were young and stupid so that's what they are. he abhors violence just hates it the idea of fighting awful now why is he in military school because his father sent him there to get a proper education i mean right uh, yeah yeah i mean they, they didn't just teach fighting and tactics and military theory they taught biology and reading and arithmetic and all that stuff that 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 he would need to have any chance of of uh, overcoming his lack of the ability to use quartz. Right. Uh, before he graduated the the academy, he went back to his father's farm to help him because his father was starting to get sick, and you know he couldn't put food on the table if you don't if you don't do the farming thing. So he right. went back to to dad be a farmer. Now, he's the only person that can operate this mysterious mech that uh, that that his his friend the the uh, king king of Krishna, which is one of the one of the other four. Uh, problem children of the Assam military school. Is that how they became friends because they were both problem children. Exactly, they, they all hung out. I mean, that, that that's how they got their moniker. It's it's like a it's like the uh, the Krishna Academy version of the Brat Pack. You know, it's, that's how they got. They hung out together. And uh, there's this mysterious mech that he found, that that the king found that no one can operate. It apparently doesn't use quartz, except it was covered in quartz when they found it. It was like encased in it. So they, they chipped away to get to the pilot seat and they got pilots in there and like touching stuff and like nothing's happening. Where's the quartz? There's no quartz here to touch. What's going on? So he actually calls for, for Rygar to come in and see what he thinks about it. Oh, now, right. I have this in clip number one for Broken Blade. So go ahead and play that. Oh, the, the, this is this is registration. Yes. This is when he gets in for the first time and actually activates for him. Yes, it does. Ooh, pilot registrational. Yeah, I know. I like that. <laughs> this this clip's kind of long. It's almost a yeah, minute long, but cra- I, 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 I cut. Oh, I like that. I cut together uh, all of the different jump cuts to to make one continuous scene of him getting in the mech and piloting it. Ah, yeah, the mech's powering up. Doesn't seem like he really wants it to power up, but there no, he doesn't. It's it's all on autopilot right now. He has no idea what's going on. But it's like breaking out of his cocoon. And he's not telling it to do that. I like how the restraint system actually holds him in. Yeah, that was nice. That that was really good. Uh, really good physics on that one. I like that. Yeah, it's a nice practical thing that you don't think of with most pilot mechs. Right. Ah, and then it broke free. Yes. And uh, yeah, that that that's that's what happened the first time he actually got into it. 
he touched it, it started activating. So uh, apparently someone who cannot use quartz is the only person who can pilot this mech. And this mech, while completely useless to everyone else but him, is just head and shoulders above any other any other mech for uh, uh, military purposes. It's faster, it's stronger, it's more maneuverable than anything else on the battlefield. And it has auto compensation systems to where if you're going to fall, it will it will automatically adjust kind of like kind of like a brand new cars nowadays where they'll keep you in the lane it will keep you on your feet even if you don't know how to pilot it which is a nice feature because he doesn't know how to pilot it. <laughs> so that those so those uh those oh my god features save his life more than one time in the beginning now uh speaking of his uh his his friends uh hoder and you know the uh the, the pronunciation for this uh is is weird uh, her name, it, it actually looks like looks like Sigin, or sign, or sign, but it's it's actually actually Shigun, right. Shigun. That's actually how it's pronounced, but that hurts my mouth when I say that, so I don't like to I don't like to say it so much. But uh, this is the king and and queen of Krishna, the the uh, same same country that uh, uh, right. Rygart is a member of. Uh, these are these are two of the of the problem children. Of the, the Assam military queen school. or problem children? Yes. Uh, the, when, when, when he went to the class, he was the crown prince. Actually, no, no. He was the prince. His older brother was the crown prince and his father was the king. His, his older brother died and then he became the crown prince. And then when his father died, he became the king. The, the, the girl was a commoner, but she was exceptional at, at engineering and alchemy. Exceptional. And, and the uh, prince took a real liking to her early on. So they, they they got together, they got married, and then he became the crown prince, and then, and then became the king, and so obviously she became the crown princess, right. and then probably the... he was never expected to be, you know, the king, and so they didn't care, right. or even crown prince. So that's why when he married a commoner, yeah. they're like, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, he never, he never, he never expected to be king. He never wanted to be king. He's like, let my brother do that. That's fine. I can do other stuff. You know, I, I can help people. I don't, I don't need to go in the mil. I don't really need to go in the military. I need to go to military school because it's, it's expected of me. And plus it's a really good education. Anyway, my father likes that, but uh, I don't, I, I want to be a more of an ambassador, you know, m- ensure peace. That's what he wanted, but it, life doesn't give you what you want sometimes. And he got boned. So yes, there's indeed. that. Now uh, we're going to go to the next slide. And this is the, uh, this is the younger, younger brother of the King of another nation of Athens called Zess. He was the fourth in the, in the four problem children of the Assam military school. He was an exchange student. His, uh, his, his father wanted, wanted the prince, not the crown prince, but the prince to, to have an idea of what other countries are like. So he can, he can uh, come back to the court and, and tell them about strengths and weaknesses, stuff like that. It was all tactical. Makes sense. Yeah, and it and it ended up he he had he is a genius pilot and a genius tactician. I mean, he is a warrior born. I mean, his his, uh, his instincts and his fighting skills are always on point. From from the time he was a kid, uh, I think it was I think it said in the anime he was he was piloting a golem, what they call their mechs, mm-hmm. uh, for about a month or two, and he he could he could defeat four instructors simultaneously. Dang. Yeah, so he was great. He always hated war, though. He hated it. So he thought the idea of becoming an exchange student was great because he could go back to the court and tell them, listen, these people are just like us. They have the same hopes, the same fears. They're, they're, they're only doing this military thing because we're doing a military thing, and that country over there is doing a military thing. If we create some kind of, some kind of council of, of nobles or royalty that, 
that, that can meet uh, from all the nations and meet and hammer out differences. War needn't be a thing. So sort of League Which of is, Nations or something. Yeah, something like that. But uh, uh, that never happened. And uh, he is leading a, a strike against Krishna. Oh. Yes, because his, his country of Athens in the beginning, in the beginning of the series, uh, declares war on Krishna. And not only do you, you surrender, you, you become part of Athens and, you know, you have to tribute us, but also uh, that, that, that was that was the written declaration, which everyone read, in, including Zess. With the unwritten part of that was, oh, yeah, and the royal family of Krishna has to be killed. Well, that, that's a not. Yeah. So his friends. Really great for them. Yes. His 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 friends, Hodor and his and his wife, the queen, would have to die. But Zess doesn't know this because oh, look, my last bullet. He's a dupe. He's a pawn. He's not told exactly why he's doing this just to do this. What he what he did was he has a small strike force, all right, of the most advanced mechs that his country has. And he's going to Krishna to to show Hodor that or Hodor. I don't want to say Hodor because that's Game of Thrones. Hodor. It's a whole that, uh, Yeah, that 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 uh, to show the king that he can defeat whatever they have with just a small strike force. That way he'll surrender and so the people of Krishna won't suffer. He doesn't know the unwritten, the, the, the verbal condition on the surrender. He does not know that. Right. So he's a dupe. He's being played by his father, possibly even his older brother. Yeah, probably just a nice guy in the wrong place. Yeah, his, and his, his, his father actually, uh, his father stepped down and his older brother has become, just, just before the series starts, became the king. But his father is still active as a royal advisor. So they're they're both in the know and he's not. And then we get to the main bat. That, that's why I put main antagonist with a question mark because he's really a good guy. He's just duped. All but right, now yeah. we get to the actual main antagonist, which is General Borkus. Now this guy is a freaking nut job. All right, he is one of the most infamous and greatest generals of the kingdom kingdom of Athens. He's extremely skilled mech pilot. Well, why is he a Very. nut job? What? Why is he crazy? How is he okay? Crazy? This this he was imprisoned, all right. He he was he was in prison at the beginning of the series because he took a a defenseless village, slaughtered it, put all of their people on pikes to cause fear in the enemy combatants, which is against pretty much every law they have. So they threw him in jail. But well, this is with, against with the Geneva Convention, certainly. What's that? It's certainly against the Geneva Conventions. Oh, yeah, yeah, Not but that they don't have that. They, yeah. they have, like, the old-school British rules, like, nope, tip, tip, no, 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 tip, tip, no, no. But uh, they, So they put him in jail. But then with their war with Krishna, Krishna is a highly defensible nation. Well, but you argue that that does work. Their, their mech is not as good as the Athens mechs, but they're, like I said, highly defensible. It'll take a lot more of Athens to roll over Krishna rather than, you know, vice versa. So but they I bring mean, him out. The people on Pike's thing worked for a Vlad the Impaler. And it worked really well. So they brought him back out of prison and say, okay, you, you get to lead the, the, the strike against Krishna. I'm like, okay. He's like, sweet. Um, he Where is – yeah, exactly. He is – he's a psychopath. I mean he has no real emotion whatsoever. He fakes everything. To, to his subordinates, he's happy. He smiles. He's nice. To, to the once – once he's in fight mode, you see his eyes like all like – get really wide and bloodshot and he starts drooling with the idea of murdering somebody it's nuts outhouse rat crazy everyone needs a hobby i guess yeah 
So let's let's get to what I thought of it. Uh, I gave this one three stars. All right. Uh, it had good action. They used a couple of camera tricks I don't like, like uh, uh, stretching, uh, stretching the uh, the, well, the mech model to well, to simulate fast motion. Well, I even noticed in that one of the clips you showed, it kind of like started doing like a fish bo- yeah, fish eye yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it fish eye effect uh, uh, Rygard's face for a second. Yeah, it does that a lot. So, well, not a lot. It 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 does that some. So I can only knock. I can only give it good action rather than great. Uh, it has fair character development. I say fair be- because of one of the one of the bad things that's on the bottom. But uh, uh, people don't actually change in this series, but it keeps them steady. Their their personalities are steady. They stay on the mark. They don't waver. They don't suddenly in your head they don't they don't change voices. If you're reading it in a book, you know they don't like wow they're they're really acting out of character. None of that happens. So I'm gonna say it's fair. I mean it's not good. It's not bad, but it's serviceable. Unlike Muv Love, the political aspects of this thing are very well done. The whole war is politically motivated, but they only they only touch on it long enough to justify the actions of countries and focus on the characters' stories. Like you have a clear idea that this is in a, a war between nation states over a political yes. aim that these people are kind of swept up in. But it doesn't beat it to death. It goes right back down to the trenches, to the character stories, which is great. I love that. Now, here's the problems. Pacing. Un- unlike Muv Love, this thing has a pacing problem. A couple of times, it just grinds for a- almost a whole episode. It'll grind. I find myself, excuse me, I find myself fast forwarding a little bit on some episodes. And once that happens twice, yeah, you know you're now, that, that's a hit. And why they would let General General Borkus anywhere near a mech after he did what he did is out of the mind crazy. Uh, and, uh, and no, 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 I, no stop, no, I'm stop, gonna say no, Historically no, speaking, no, 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 no. you see that happen. I understand that, but Zess is the is the little brother of the, he is the crown prince of the nation. Literally, only one guy outranks him. All right, he knows what this general has done, and he still works under him. No, the way they wrote Zest was smart, commanding, always in control. He would never work with a guy like this. Crown princes but he takes really don't have a lot of power. No, crown princes have a lot of power because a lot of times crown princes execute the king and become king themselves. And generals know that. I've read a See, lot of history in that. Uh, the general the princes are kind of peons that are pushed around until not they this king. One. Yeah, not this one. He is not pushed around at all. He is he is thoroughly recognized as an amazing tactician and warrior. He is, he's no slouch. That's the way he was written. But his his actions as in, in regard to the to the insano general don't make sense with everything else we're we're presented in the anime. Don't make sense at all. That's why I hate it. All right, if you say And so. then and then we have the queen. She suffers from the damsel syndrome. The damsel syndrome is in the very first episode they tried to establish her as a strong woman. And then every episode after that, she's just eye candy or worthless or failing or getting, you know, getting not physically rescued, but emotionally rescued. It it was awful. They they had a chance to portray her correctly and they failed. It's not that they, they, you know, purposefully portrayed her this way. I think it was just poor writing because they because you saw the attempt in the first episode but after that is just they just swept her under the rug development wise she did not develop after that as a matter of fact she may have taken several steps backward 
So I had to ding it hard for that as well. So that, that's why it went from a five to a three. Whereas you're, you're not, you're not going to waste your time with, uh, as you would with other anime. It, it was, it was, it was good. I mean, it was above average, obviously. Uh, it's not great. And it could have been great. I'm really disappointed that's not, but it could have been. It, it could have easily been four stars. But that's it. That's that's what we got for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ethan Dog, for your in-depth anime reviews of these two series. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. And as always, if you want more Heathen Dog, and you should, uh, you can always check out Heathen Dog's Heathen Dogma, Edwin Arpsy's segments on the show, and also his team up with that Garthon guy playing Star Trek Online. Who? What? No. Every single day of the week, weekdays, not yes. weekends. They get a no, break. No, no. Yes, we do. Check we gotta out. do this thing. We gotta do we this do. thing right here. I yep. know. Uh, also, you can check his past streams where he ran but Fats McCool uh, through Star Trek Online from level one all the way to Fleet Admiral without spending That's right. a dime. And you know what? I'm thinking about bringing the McCool back with the team up. I'm thinking about <laughs> what, what? What do you think, Garthon? I'm afraid of the McCool. Oh, don't be, don't you be afraid. You can bring him McCool if you want. I just, you know, Maddox has a thing going on. So I'm saying. That's true, yeah. You can bring him in, do a special guest mission. There you go. Maybe I will. All right. Also, uh, check out Heathen Dog's streams on Mondays and Friday at 12 noon CST. That mm-hmm. is 1 p.m. Eastern. Yep. He's not doing. Tri- you're not doing StarCraft 2 anymore. No, I'm doing Darkest Dungeon. It says it right there. That's what it says StarCraft 2. Nope. I'm looking in the stream. And it says Darkest Dungeon. Look under where it says Heathen Dog streams. Oops. All right. But there's a Darkest Dungeon right, picture, which he is now streaming, and it's entertaining. Because he just loves having a party full of lepers. Yep, leopard party. Yeah, no, no oh. leopard. The lepers suck, and we all know that. No, no, no. Uh, as a matter of fact, if 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 you wanna if you wanna uh, hear hear and see me be completely uh, miffed and PO'd, uh, check out number four on on the our YouTube page. It I just kept getting kicked in the daddy pills all day that time. It was crazy. Ugh. It's a leper's party. All right. Shut up. But thank you very much, Ethan Dog. You're welcome. Next up, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about... Yes, we're talking about Garthon's comic pull. Where Garthon's talking about three books that came out this week. First is Avengers number 10, written mm-hmm. by Mark Wade. Uh, the artist was Mike Del Mundo, who... Also do the colors with Marco D'Alfonso. The cover is done by Alex Ross, who is, you know, pretty famous for doing his painted covers and whatnots. But the interior art has like a digital painting style to it. It's pretty interesting. Got it right here. Look at that. Go to internal art. This has a very interesting painted style to it. Like so. When it works, it works great. When it doesn't work, you get a page that goes, wow, purple crayon. I, I have purple. <laughs> Lots of purple. I haven't used that. I haven't used that particular crayon in my set. i got to get rid of this. green. I have green. You have green? Here's green. Um, and so that's probably the colors in the book. It's for artistic effect. A scene will be washed out in a certain color, but it's really hammered over the head to where you lose detail in what's going on. Um, other than the digital painting style I've kind of complained about before, when it works, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't work, it's a mess. And this goes back and forth with that too many times. Overall, it's really good. Uh, it tends to get a little messy during fight sequences. It's kind of hard to pick out exactly what's going on. 
Um, yeah. This book to me has been kind of up and down. I chose to do this one this week because the plot is interesting in that you're dealing with the quote unquote, I used to finger quotes right there, event, uh, Avengers uh, that evil Captain America has put together. Because the normal Avengers ain't listening to him because they don't really exist anymore because no. he's evil. So what you have is Odinson, who's no longer Thor because he's unworthy, which we've talked about in past episodes that doesn't make any damn sense. But he's still stuck in this idea of like, well, Steve Rogers, I know, used to be a good man. I guess he still is because he could pick up the hammer. If he could pick up the hammer and I can't, he must be a better person than me. So I guess I'll keep listening to him. You know what? That's Asgard logic right there. I, I guess. Can't just, fight it. It kind of annoys me. Uh, so yeah, hey, him. If, if his father thinks he's worthy, yeah, it's kind of know, if, if his on, father thinks Steve Rogers worthy, then and I'm not. So um, yeah, I'll follow him. Maybe, maybe I'll somehow that worthiness will rub off, and I'll be fine. Also, in the uh, Steve Rogers, I I think is cool, so I will do what he says, even though it makes no logical sense compared to anything else I've ever done in my entire life. Is Deadpool, mm -hmm. who's being paid because he's a mercenary to join the Avengers? Yeah, he was sure. a member of the previous Avengers. And Steve Rogers, you know, it's all Hydra, 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 has actually pulled him aside and said, I know we're doing Hydra stuff, but we're saving the world, man. And I know you'll be with me because you, you're willing to do this because you and I are soldier buds. And Deadpool, ha part of his history is that he r really looks up to Captain America. Yeah, he's a mercenary. Yeah, he kills for money. But he does have this limit where he knows he'll never be as good a person as Captain America was. He knows that's not him, but he still really looks up to him. It's like he'll never reach that height. He could dream of it. But he is who he is, but he still really looks up to the guy. And sure. now he's super evil, so he's kind of like reconciling that. Well, well, I guess, you know. So he's kind of that same camp with Odinson. Mm -hmm. In the was good, now evil camp, you have the Vision. Uh, who, of course, being the Vision, is like, this is wrong. Hydra is bad. What we're doing is wrong. And so yep. they reprogrammed him. Of course, because that's what you do to robots. Well, he's a synthoid, but yeah. They, they reprogram no, him so that anytime he thinks this is wrong, it gets deleted. And he goes, you know, this is, this is okay. Yep. Sounds and good. also we have the Scarlet Witch, or rather, the Scarlet Witch's body. Who's really in it? Yeah, let me double check because I forgot her exact name. Oh, I've got the book in front of me. Who is being possessed by a demon. Uh, of course, because reasons. They actually give us name, but not in this one. Anyway, there's a very powerful demon inhabiting her body, because as she was messing with her hex magics, the demon went, you know what, a oh, free opening, and went and took over, and is using her hex powers without the limiter that the Scarlet Witch usually uses, so she doesn't break reality in her little mind. Being an sure. extra-dimensional demon, that doesn't affect her. So, uh, so her and Vision are getting on the nasty nasty because they used to be because the good versions of them used to be married so they still had that attraction and being that they're both evil now like let's go baby no consequences yep. so uh yeah that's team used to be good and then the other two then you got the other three on team always evil well well you got two you got two on team mercenary let's say is that the taskmaster well on team mercenary you got taskmaster and black ant yep not the nicest yep. guys yep, they're always bad well nope. Actually, Taskmaster has not always been bad. Well, he's always been a kind of a D-bag, but... Yes and no. Depends how he's written. Uh, there's actually an excellent okay. series called Avengers Academy, where he was actually re recruited by the Avengers to be an instructor. Sure. He was paid, because the way... That if you 
know the Taskmaster's history. He originally showed up. Well, one of his many incarnations showing up was in training supervillain thugs. Like, you know how Egghead or someone would show up and he'd have his group of thugs behind him? Taskmaster trained those thugs. That was his job. Sure. He trained and and uh, was a hiring service for thugs for evil villains. Hey, you got to make a buck, right? Yeah, you got to make a buck. And it was a pretty practical way to do it until he got, kept getting shut down. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, kept putting ads in the back of matchsticks. Want to be a thug? You know, um, <laughs> it was, a, it, well, not not as much. Henchman. 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 That's, the, that's the proper term. <laughs> but so that's what he did. But they had an Avengers Academy series where the Avengers paid him to be a good guy, essentially, and to train um, upcoming young heroes in that, okay, what are the supervillains going to attack him with? Because with his photographic reflexes, he can say, okay, this is how... Um, trying to remember. Decent... Captain America would do it. Well, he's this is how Captain America would fight you, but that'd be a hero. We say, okay, let's say you're going up against Madame Viper. This is how she fights. Let's say you're going against the Serpent Society. This is how they fight, and he could do it. Yeah. So that's why he was an excellent instructor, and actually, he was kind of a decent guy when doing that. He was definitely there for the money. He never really was but, remorseful you know, for things many, he did. Many, like ninety-nine percent of instructors are there for the money. Yeah, pretty much. It was yeah. actually kind of a deets. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but he's definitely just there for the money. Yeah. And because the way the world is swinging right now, Hydra is on the winning team, and he's like, I'm hanging with the winning team. It's cool for me. I'm an sure. Avenger. That's kind of cool. Um, Black Ant is kind of the same same thing. He stole um, an Ant-Man suit and used it to break into banks and to be evil and stuff. He was briefly a hero, and then he went, it was just too easy to be a villain. And slip back into it. And on top of that, sure. Hydra knows where his little girl is. And it's basically like, well, you know, if you want your girl to be taken care of and not a horrible accident, like she was, oops, out a window, I guess you better work for us. And we'll pay you a lot. And he went, well, okay, damn it. So that's why he's there. Half okay. getting highly paid and half blackmail. You know, extortion. Sure. Kidnapping. Yeah, all the above. Then you got Dr. Octopus uh, in the center. That's his new costume. Um, it's octopus and Hydra inspired, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he's willing to go with that in yeah. his new super fit clone body. Nice. Uh, still super genius, still a jerk, still a dick, still evil. And, but he's the leader of the new Avengers. He's like the only, I've always been a villain will always be a villain character there. You know, even when he was superior Spider-Man, the instant he became not a villain, he died. So he's always been a villain. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely, but what's funny is like, even though all these people are like, okay, yeah, Hydra, I guess. He's the only one who's still like, Hydra sucks. I'm using these idiots until I can take over. So he's full on evil. He's more evil than Hydra. Sure. Or at least, you know, in that he's well, more no, self-involved. He's more evil than Steve Rogers' Hydra, but the actual behind the scenes Hydra is like super black evil. Yeah, he, I mean, Doc Ock is not willing to murder a bunch of people just, you know, to gain 10 feet of ground. Doc Ock wouldn't right. do that. He'd try and think of a better way. So anyway, they are going in because the mission is around the Earth there's a giant shield, which is keeping mm -hmm. aliens and other superheroes out. Yeah, well, the, the cosmic level superheroes. Right. So a couple of the shield generator repeater stations have been taken out. So they're going to the next one where they know the bad guys are, whoever's taking out their shield generators, to stop them. When they get there, they find out it's actually a bunch of weird, creepy, octopus-looking aliens. 
So, of course, they get in a massive fight. Now, the reason I chose this book is I like the setup of, like, the evil Avengers. It gives, gives good motivation for them. It kind of shows that Steve Rogers has been kind of, like, lowered to, like, for people to help him out. You know, mercenaries, people who uh, have no moral compass, and evil guys. You know, going from bottom yeah. to top. You know, pure evil, questionable, um, questioning their own motives, mercenaries. That's where you are, top to bottom. And so when they they get there, they find these weird aliens. And at first they're just like the aliens are like, and they're so they're fighting, they're trying to defend themselves. And one of them touches Taskmaster and hears voices in his head. And then he mentions that to Deadpool. It's like, yeah, 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 I got that too. But I swear it was my normal voices in my head. Don't you get that too? Task's like, huh, all right. So Taskmaster actually mentions it to Doc Ock and says, well, let him touch you again. Because Doc Ock is in a full body suit and they can't touch his skin. I guess somehow they touch Taskmaster. I don't know. So he touches him with yeah, his bare skin again. He seems to be a full body suit too. So I, I think he took off a glove or something. But he touches oh, okay. the alien again. And the alien gives this message about how they came here to Earth to do research. They weren't trying to hurt anyone, and now they want to leave, but they can't because of the shield. And so they have to. That's the only reason they're trying to take it down. But if you open the shield up a little bit and let them out, they will give them infinite powers to do good, but only good, and save their planet. And Taskmaster goes, looks at them for a bit, and steps back, and they're like, "What they say?" He said they're here to take over. We got to take them all out. And. Uh, <laughs> Nice. So they slaughter the lot of them, um, because you think at first I was like, I don't think Taskmaster would do that. Then I was like, oh wait, they said do the power to only do good. Right? Uh, so that's worthless a, to him. That, that's worthless to him. That's worthless to anyone there except Thor, really, or Odinson. Mm. And so I was like, eh. just call him Thor. This Odinson's <laughs> garbage. So it's one of those. Eh, oh, he said they're out to kill us all. And so Thor just pulls out his big old axe and just starts chop, chop, chopping and. <laughs> Kills, they kill them all. Um, the teaser at the end, because there's always the teaser, is Black Ant mentions that one of his pin particle chambers is missing. The thing that lets him grow and shrink. And mm -hmm. Doc Ock's like, oh, well, we'll have to look for that. After all, we are allies. Then you see like he's hiding it behind his back with his tentacle. Because earlier in the comic, Doc Ock is like, he's going over his own mind about all these people and about the mission and what's going on. Like, he can't believe he's with these idiots. And he talks about how Black Ant can, has the ability to shrink down to subatomic size and spin quarks. He can change the fundamental laws of the universe, and all this guy does is crack safes. He's an idiot. <laughs> so you're thinking if he has that kind of power, Doc Ock is smart enough to change the fundamental laws of the universe. Sure. Kind of like how Magneto, um, I think it was Doc Ock, this is another super genius level villain who's complained about Magneto. Like, he controls the fundamental forces of the universe. He could create atom bomb explosions if he wanted to. He, and then he could create a magnetic bottle to contain the radiation. He's powerful enough for that. But he doesn't, he doesn't do it. He just throws cars at people. Ah. You know, they're like, the guy's a moron. So much power and tiny brain. So, anyway. Uh, I liked the book. Uh, it was a good read. Like I said, the digital art can be kind of a mess sometimes, but overall it worked very well for this. I liked the twist with the creepy aliens actually like, do we just want to leave? We'll give you power for good and that was That sounds pretty funny. I it that. was pretty funny when I read it. I was like, oh, oh man. It was, it was a great scene. 
do do do. I can pull the exact quote. Down R. Um. He assembles. They talk to him. All right. He says, "Uh." They says, "We wish only to go home. Help us, will grant you immeasurable power and resolve to do good for your fellow man. Only good." They says, "So what they say? Uh, they're here to cleanse this planet, and they will not stop until all of humanity is extinct. Avengers assemble!" Nice. And then it turns into the uh, the scenes of slaughter. Sure. Yep. So, like the book, like the twist, good reading. Three and a half out of five. Not fantastic, but better than I expected. Uh, Markway did a good job on this one. This book's kind of wavered between, oh, wow, that's interesting, and eh, that's really weak. And that's still a problem for this book, but this was an interesting one. Good. Next up, X-Men Gold, number nine. At first, I saw this cover, like, did they forget to draw part of her arm or something? But no, they're showing that she can phase because she's cool, Ooh. so her elbow is in Cyclops. That's right. Colossus. I think her other elbow is, too, by the Probably, dimension. Probably, because that's an effective fighting stance. Yes. Well, yeah. Be, yeah, being intangible is a really effective defense in any fight, really. Yeah, usually. Um, of course, Colossus has recently lost the ability to turn to Steel again. Because periodically, he has to do that for drama. Ugh. Uh, written by Mark Guggenheim. Artist is Ken Lashley. Uh, colors are done by Andrew Crossley and Frank Martin. And this cover is done by Ken Lashley and David Curiel. So you see that art? That's kind of the art you're expecting, sort of. Yeah. This, except the art in the book is worse. Oh. Like, he can't draw, like, a dude's face without drawing lines all over it. Like, there has to be lots and lots of lines on people's faces. Because people have lines on their faces normally. Unless you're a girl. Girls don't get lines over their faces. Just dudes. Sure. Makes sense. Main plot revolves around uh, Kitty Pride going to Washington, D.C. Uh, to do, attend a hearing on mutant affairs where they want to deport all their mutants because they're a danger. And she's like, wait, you wait. can't. How do you, how do you deport mutants that are residents that are legal residents and national citizens of your own country? Yeah. That's kind of the point that's brought up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, that whole political meeting thing is a bunch of crap. It doesn't make any sense. And they're like, mm -hmm. people are afraid and we need to do something. All right. I know, I know what they're trying to do, what Mr. Guggenheim's trying to do, is trying to draw a parallel between that and what's going on with a lot of people with their anti-Muslim sentiments. Yeah. And the hand is so heavy on this one. It's just a big, iron, heavy hand pushing down anything good in the comic. You know, yeah, well, the, the, the whole X-Men thing has... Uh, uh, apparently, it's, it's their shtick just to just to be too political or religious. Well, here's the thing. When it's written well, there's like a distrust as in the background. That's when oh. it's written well. When it's written poorly, it's like it's done now, where it's this big, obvious, right in the front. In you, your face all the time. Yes, we know you. Like, at an exact example, I have this book. During her testimony, of course, they are attacked by... Uh, Backlash, the guy with the whips from Iron yeah. Man 2. Right? Is that Backlash? Whatever. He comes in, he's like, oh, you are trying to kick us out of your country. You are bad people. Like, ah. And so he starts you know, whipping, whipping. And... Yeah, why is he even in the country? He can't be a citizen or even have a green card. He's too evil. Yeah. Whatever. So he goes in there, whip, 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 whip. 
And then, uh, well, zap, 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 sonic, electric. Whatever, whatever happens. Whatever. With, yeah. um, of course, Colossus goes to defend Kitty Pro. You know, he can't iron up, but he's still there as her bodyguard because he's, you know, big and muscly. Sure. Um, he ends up distracting him long enough for Kitty Pride to phase over and blah, 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 and mess him up. And they, they jack him up. Great. And of course, at the end of the book, after all this happens, they're still, oh, we're still moving through with the mutant appropriate with the mutant exportation bill. But we just saved your lives. That doesn't matter. Our voters are scared and we're scared of losing our votes. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Oh, God. Oh, God. Just let's not have any make any sense. Let's not do that. Um, the most interesting points in the book are Kitty Pride and Colossus used to be really close. Like, really, really close. Then they broke up. Colossus was dead for a while. He came back and wasn't dead anymore. And he still wanted to get the relationship going, but Kitty Pride had moved on. It was awkward. Um, mm. They've been hinting around that a lot in this. And in this one, they're alone. They're traveling together. And they kind of, like, hint at making, maybe getting their relationship going again. And... Colossus actually asked Kitty Pride to marry him. Like, okay. right out of the bat. Like, well, it's not like, like super, it, it, there's a little lead into it. They're talking like, well, if we start, it's like, well, would you marry me? He's, she's like, whoa, 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 That's He's like, not right now. But like you said, we've already been over this ground. We've already gone out. We've already been very, very close. We've already done all this. This That's the next step. And I want to take that with you. She's like, well, all right, that's when it comes. We'll think about it. You know, It's kind of like we need to consider type thing. It's one of those, like, I'm asking you to marry me in the future, not right now, type thing. So it, it made sense in the way it was put in that they've already been through all this. You know, they're kind of like picking up where they left off because he was dead. Um, sure. That happens. It gets in the way. Uh, another B plot is when uh, the whole Nanite Sentinel was attacking a few issues ago. Uh, Rachel Summers, former Phoenix. Yep. Uh, connected with the whole team and use psychic powers. Yeah, well, she connected with like everyone in New York City briefly. And she had been harboring feelings for Nightcrawler and found out that he had feelings for her. Ooh. So after the fight, she ended up kissing him and he was like, kind of like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? We're team, we can't, can't be doing this. Yeah. And they've kind of been having a conversation about, you know, maybe let's get over that, you know. And she, in this issue, she tells, you know, I didn't realize the feelings you had for me until I connect with everyone. And I, you know, I have feelings for you, so why not? He's like, well, it never really works out when team members go out. I mean, look at everyone around us. But they eventually agree, like they're kind of, they're kind of starting their little bromance. It's cute. They're like taking baby steps, not the I'm let's get married thing. Well, no, yeah, it was it was creepy in the '80s when they started dating because she was like like 12 or something. Uh, you know, well, Kitty Pryde actually started like 16, but yeah, she was really young. She was really young, and it, it seemed it seemed a little creepy, like taken advantage of type thing. Yeah, it was, unlike every other character, the X Men, she's actually aged almost appropriately. You know, she's looking like she's like late twenties, early thirties now. Yeah, so there, <laughs> so she, you know, in the past twenty years, she grew up about 10, 15 years. Which is crazy for comics. Yeah, it really is. Well, there's like these. They try and get past certain gaps. Like you're a baby for years and years, and then you're a teenager. And then you're a teenager for years and years, and then you're an adult. You know, there's no, like, spaces between. Like like soap operas. Yeah, sure. But interesting book, a little too heavy-handed in its discourse. I am not a big fan of Ken Lashley's art. A lot of times it just looks like the face is like a smoosh 
or it has lines all over it. Um, things are kind of a mess sometimes. It's just there's just so many times where it could be better. But on some scenes, he's excellent. So it's really weird. There's this weird like look at that with the uh, with the flag. You look at her face. It's just bush. You know? But in other scenes, he's great. So it's... It's like Frankenstein. Yeah, it's just not good. So the art's kind of all over the place. Characters go off model quite a bit. The writing could be better. It's a little too heavy-handed. I know they're trying to write an X-Men, you know, the more finger quotes, book. Uh, two and a half out of five. It's an average book. It had some neat points. had some okay points. has some okay action. Everything in the book was okay. You know, it had some interesting Except plot the development. Art, which was, which was uh, hit and miss. Yeah. It's just... Well, sometimes the art's really good. Sometimes bad. So it averages do okay. Everything's okay in mm. this book. It's a very okay book. Uh, right. You could type, you know, just put generic X-Men comic book type three, put a stamp on it, ship it out the door with a white cover. Boom. Done deal. Yep. Last. Got my paycheck. Yay. <laughs> exactly. Everyone made a paycheck that week. Yep. Uh, Batman, number 28. Written by Tom King. Uh, art is Mikhail Jenin. Uh, colors are June Chung. Uh, Mikhail Jenin also did the cover. So that's what the art looks like inside. Pretty good. Hmm. He's a good artist. I am not complaining about that. Um, Tom King you can really, writing... you, you can really see Joker's unhappiness yeah, he, with his face. Yeah, he's lost the ability to laugh. Yes, yeah, you can really see that. Off. Um, so the war of jokes and riddles continues. Joker and Batman have gone to war over Gotham. Well, mainly they're gone to war over the right to kill Batman, because right, each right. of them needs to kill Batman from their personal satisfaction to live their lives. Mm-hmm. This is all told in the past tense, as Batman is telling his now fiance Selina Kyle, aka Catwoman about how she needs to understand that he's Batman and the Batman is the Batman because the Batman did bat things, the bat past. It's a dark bat past. You don't know. So, <sighs> yeah. Past. I had a past once. It was My mother dark. and father. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> My father had a past. We didn't have a future. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not a big fan of Tom King's writing. His dialogue can be pretty sharp. But some things just I just start groaning when I read them. Batman spends a lot of time staring at his bat navel and just whining about things. <laughs> Max and I were, were debating whether this was going to be an, another bat navel comic or something better. So are we well, talking about bat navels? It's a mix. Oh. Um. It actually goes in, the the media story is uh is basically about how this war is escalating. The uh, it starts off with the Gotham PD basically like contacts Riddler and Joker and says to both of them, "All right, this is the whole city's going getting burned to the ground. What the hell's go? We what do you want? What do you want? Just tell us what you want for God's sake." Um, and it's neat because you see Commissioner Gordon like talking to Batman about what happened, and the Riddler sends like a 30-page document of every single exact thing that Commissioner Gordon needs to do to meet alone with Riddler in his lair to talk whereas the joker sends back you know a dead cop with you know come in your underwear ha 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 written you know on him okay yeah so he's kooky 
Um, well, yeah, it's not even a good joke. I, I, I can see why he's suffering. Yeah. So it actually does a nice job art-wise of showing him going down these – basically it's like two things that happen at two different times. But it does a nice job of showing like simultaneously all these things happening. Mm. Like almost looks like it's a continuous scene. Pull back in that one. But you can see like he's at both of the meetings. One in his underwear, Correct. one in the – you know. Anyway, so I liked that. Great setup for that. Uh, Michael Janin does a great job this whole book. I can't say enough nice things. Uh, really impressed. The characters always are on model. Uh, action is clear. Maybe a little stilted, but still always nice. Um, does a great job playing with light and shadow. The color choice is nice. I like that. But... Good. The problem comes with the writing. There are some neat things going on with, like, Joker and Batman. Basically, they both tell him... Christian Gordon gets to finish both of them, like, they both want Batman. It's like, hey, you want this to end? Send us Batman. They say they can't do that because they don't control Batman. And so the higher-ups above Gordon's head call in the Army and the National Guard, who just get slaughtered. Of course. You're fighting a whole How? bunch of super free. Because they walk in with their tanks and stuff, and, like, Clayface, like, knocks them all over. Or, you know... And eventually, because they're ticked off at of Gordon, each of them sends out their best assassin. Uh, Joker... Okay. Uh... Where is it? Joker sends Deadshot. Ah, the world's good, good call. Good call. Yeah, and Riddler sends out... Where'd he go? I just... Uh, Deathstroke the Terminator. Also solid play. Yeah, great choice. If, if I was going to send yeah. out assassins, that's who I'd send. Yeah, those those be the two guys. Um, so they're both getting ready to shoot shoot uh, Commissioner Gordon with their sniper rifles, and they see each other, which turns to them going to take each other out. And it's kind of a neat scene where they both shoot their rifles at each other, and because they're both so super awesome, they actually their bullets intersect. Nice. Um, and after that, it just turns into them trying to kill each other. And that's when the bat navel comes out. Oh, great. And that's when the Batman has to start. For five days at Red Dawn, they fought each other over the city. And he goes on, and it lasts. And so there's some neat action behind it, but it's just whining and whining for pages and pages about how these guys kept trying to kill each other all over the city and how he couldn't stop them. He tried. Oh, God, he tried. <laughs> How could he not stop them? I mean, if, if they're so concentrated on each other, you can easily take at least one of them out. You would think. Yes, you would think rightly. But eventually, he gets a hold of them. It's like, no more, no more. Wait, wrong page. Anyway, it's like, no more, no more. That's an ad for Wildstorm. But anyway, it's like, no more, we will stop you. And he ends up beating them both up. Oh, here it is. Ah! Ah! Bat anger. Ah! For God's sake. That's awful. It is. Great art, but... Oh, yeah. God. And the thing is, something it could be told in so much more dramatic fashion, or even with a ton less dialogue, which would bring out the action so much more. You know, instead it's over and over. Like the most important thing is Batman writing Dear Diary and just whining on it. I guess it's supposed to, they're trying to get the flavor that he's talking to Catwoman and he's letting her know what's going on. 
Um, there is a brief scene in there where, like, there's only one, like, player in Gotham who neither were able to get, and it was Catwoman. They both tried to recruit her, and she, like, killed, like, or, like, beat up the messengers and whatever. And then Batman talk, goes to talk to her. This is in the past, of course. It's like, oh, right. you know, I've, you're breaking into the safe. That's not wrong. But I know you, but you're not joining them, so it's okay. She's like, oh, no, I'm not joining them. That means I'm joining you, I guess, right? And uh, and then he's like, no, no. It's just, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, I must actually read what it says because it's so insanely... What I do like is they show her old costume. Wrong way. Yeah, they show her old costume, which I like. That makes sense. So, anyway... Oh, yeah, let's see that. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. But anyway, they go to... Uh, you explain that this was a Marconi crime family apartment. The family stole the fortune from you. With the war on, you were taking the fortune back. I lied. You lied. Why, why haven't you chosen a side? I'm not them like them. They're criminals. You're currently breaking into a safe. That's not <clears throat> yours. You know what I mean. I'm not like them. They're unscrupulous criminals. Do I need to worry about you? Are you checking up on me, Bat? Are you trying to protect me? No. No one needs to protect you. Oh, well then, yes. You have very much to worry about me. And then, of course, they start kissing. Of course they do, because That's reasons. what makes sense at that scene. Sure, yeah, that that is the absolute thing what's going to happen just then. Yep. Afterward, I slept. When I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. Stop well, it. Well, then they say, then it's, Afterwards, I slept. When I woke, you were gone. With the diamonds. Okay, but in my defense, I did warn you. I'm not exactly unsuccessful. So in other words, middle of war's going on, Gotham's going to heck, but he has time to stop and bone Catwoman. Well, there's always time to bone a hot chick. I guess, but it's just like, oh god! And the allure, everything around it is just, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Overall plot yeah, art good. Yeah. Dialogue bad. Right. And it's like, this guy needs an editor bad. Just... Tom King just really needs an editor really, really bad. Because he has some serious diarrhea of the mouth. It yeah, just goes it, on and on and on and on. You know what? If, uh, if, if Carrie Fisher was still alive, she, she would be uh, Tom King's uh, comic doctor. That would be awesome. Yes. But, you know, after the two... Oh, wait, 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 wait. For, for everyone who doesn't understand the reference, which some of you may not, uh, for the last, jeez, uh, easy, what, 20 years? Uh Carrie, Carrie Fisher uh, was a script doctor for Hollywood. She, she would get a script and she would fix it Yep. and then send it back to the studio and get, get paid amazing sums of money for getting no credit whatsoever. And she was very good at it. And she was very good at it. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, just way too much dialogue, way too much bat navel gazing. Uh, I know they're trying to the, give, continue the impression this is a past tense story, but you could really lay off. Um, hmm. Very heavy on that, and Tomkey just loves bat navel gazing. Yeah, it's awful. Like I said, I like the overall plot. All the stuff not bat navel gazing is great in this book. Mm. Um, the stuff that's not him and Catwoman being coy with each other mm. is great. Um, so it's very weird. It's almost like it. It needs. Like a Phantom Menace editing. Yeah. Like, you've ever heard of the Phantom Edit? The Phantom mm. Edit was uh, a bunch of college students took the Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode One, and sure. 
just edited the living hell out of it. They cut more than half the movie. Well, I think about half the movie out. Almost every Jar Jar scene is gone. Oh, good. Scenes are rearranged. And so the movie's actually really good, or pretty good, and it makes sense. Because they just took an axe to it, which the film needs, because it is a mess. That's yes. what's going on with this book. It needs some serious editing, some great stuff's going on, but they really need to cut the Bat Dialogue track. They really do. Mm. You know that? So, I liked it. The art is very strong. The overall story arc is strong. The individual dialogue pieces are pretty poor. Pooper. So, I'll, I'll give it a 3 out of 5. It has a lot going for it. Some people actually really enjoy Tom King style. They want Batman to constantly be wounding about everything going on in his life. That's you know? not Batman. No, it's not. You know. No. If... That no no no. You know what you know what you know what that is? I would buy that in the uh in the um future Batman or what what's that called? Batman when, Beyond. Uh, Batman Beyond. I would buy that then because he's an old man, he's almost dead. Right. So that's when you Yeah, yeah. That that's when you start reminiscing about the past and being all soulful and crap. I'd buy it then, but yeah, not I mean, now. The first issue Tom King wrote of Batman, the whole issue is him like talking to himself about Alfred and if his parents loved him. And what? It, oh, yeah. Because I was actually buying Batman every, every time it came out um, under Snyder and Capullo because they were fantastic under Batman Rebirth. And then... When their run ended, Tom King took over, and I bought three or four issues and stopped buying. It became unreadable because, because of all the bat navel gazing and mommy, daddy, why didn't you love me? Or why did you have to die? Boo hoo hoo! I'm so conflicted. Mm. And then I heard a lot of, oh wow, it's it's a really good book now. It's gotten great. I buy it. It's gotten better, but it's not significantly better right it's better but it's still a whole lot of oh mommy and daddy oh did they love me what are the motives i walked up in the morning in the morning was black as my soul it's, oh god shut up <laughs> shut up i love it i love it when you do the batman naval gazing voice i just love it <laughs> you know it's just i want to put up that image of ben Aff ben affleck as batman where he's just like this martha you know, you know it's <laughs> Yes, it's that level of genius. Genius. You know. uh, so I'll give it three out of five, maybe three and a half out of five. I'll go three to five. Has a lot yeah, going go, for it. Go three. Yeah. If a lot of the dialogue was axed, it'd be a lot better. It just needs to bookend. You just need a bookend. This, this happened in the past. This is what happened. Bookend it. Maybe a little piece in the middle. I don't need you and Catwoman being cute. Mm. You, you know, uh, it was a pre it's, that was a wasted scene. Yes. That could have been well. It's nice to see what's going on with that, but it could have been a one-page meet on a dark roof and done. Nada, and then we were together and I slept. Oh God. Anyway, that's it for that. All right. If you want more Garthon, which you probably don't after that, you can check it. <laughs> Garthon hates Batman and love. <laughs> he should die in a fire. <laughs> um, you can check out Garthon's colorful here and Garthon with Heathen Dog in Star Trek Online Foundry Mission team-ups. 
where we play excellent Foundry missions by some brilliant Foundry authors and the occasional just dead stinker from brain dead Foundry authors. Oh, poopers. I love the poopers. Sometimes they're highly educational and entertaining. You can learn what's wrong by not doing what they do. But in yeah. general, we, we talk to do some great missions with great authors, and True. it's a lot of fun. We highly encourage people to play through those missions. We uh, do. And also, Garthon has his own stream, or I have my own stream, Sunday at 9 p.m. Central, 10 Eastern, uh, where I will stream Final Fantasy XIV, playing through the yes. new Stormblood expansion very slowly. That's right. Yeah, and uh, starting with uh, last week, you actually started the uh, Stormblood expansion proper? I did it. No, the, I've been in the expansion all, proper for a long time. Well, no, with with all the the you know new new stuff. No, I've been that proper for a long time. That was the first really? time. I, yeah, yeah. It's the first I time I've gone I, to a different continent. Okay, okay, different continent. Right, right. You yeah. you got to the uh, Japanese inspired. Yeah, I got continent. to Kugani. Yes. And yes, also, I, I, I was there for that one. Yes. And I also went through my first dungeon. Uh, this first Stormblood dungeon last week or week before. That's what I was talking about. I'm sorry. That, that's that's what I meant. I oh, just okay. didn't articulate it properly. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, the the first actual you know new content exclusive. Yeah, the new dungeon. It dungeon. was fun. Yeah. Nicely done. So, let's move on, everyone. Let's talk with the RNG where things are random. I believe that someone put a slide in here about something they wanted to talk about. I did. I did. I mean, if you want to talk about something first or after, that's fine. That, that, that's why I put also an RNG afterward. But uh, I I saw Van Helsing. Uh, this was originally on Sci-Fi last year, and it, it came to Netflix this year. And uh, I wanted to talk about it because right. it pissed me off. This <laughs> is just awful. Just awful. Was it worse than the Hugh Jackman? Not Hugh Jackman. Anyway, then the Van Helsing movie a few years ago. Oh yes, yes. Uh, oh wow. No, no, it's it's not. But it's it's bad in its own ways. Oh, Here's good. why. Uh, in the in the first couple episodes, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it. I don't care. I hate it. So screw you. It needs no to be ruined. Cares. Yeah, it needs to be ruined. Okay. It, it it starts off where the the main character Vanessa, who you see in the in the picture that you're looking at right now, she looks like a Vanessa. She uh, yeah. She uh um was in a, in a coma and she woke up after the apocalypse, the vampire apocalypse. All right. All right? Okay. It's very 28 days later, walking so, dead. I guess while she was in a coma, the vampire is like, eh, no frozen food. Eh. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they actually took over, you know, at that point. So, uh, she, she wakes up from the coma. And she's like, Oh my God, what the heck's going on? And then she finds out she has all these abilities. I mean, she heals like a vampire does like almost instantaneously. She heals. And she instinctively knows how to fight. All right. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, maybe something happened to her. We don't know her backstory. And then we see her backstory. And her backstory was she was bitten and killed by a vampire, but didn't actually die. Like she went into a coma, a a regenerative type coma where sure her heart wasn't beating, but none of her, uh, so her uh, metabolic regeneration saved her from being a vampire. At this point, at, at this at this point, I'm crying foul. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm crying. What the hell? And uh, uh, she she what? Her heart wasn't beating. She wasn't breathing, but her cells were still alive, and still reproduce and still you know replicating and stuff like that. So she still had metabolic activity. All right. But she wasn't breathing or conscious or whatever. So uh, the army was told to keep her alive and save her at all costs, but they didn't know why. You know whatever. 
uh, she she woke up and she found out that she can fight really well. She's really strong and she heals, you know, super fast and you know she's she's super cool. And I'm think I'm thinking, okay, okay, it's 28 days later meets the Golden Child or something like whatever. Oh, I see it meets Buffy. Buffy, yes, very good. Yes, yes. Uh, 28 days later meets meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fine, okay, cool. And then that's what hooked me in to the first six of the 12 episodes. Okay. I'm like, okay, it's good enough. I'm going to keep watching it. It passed the first three episodes rule where if, if it doesn't have anything you like in the first three episodes, you drop it like a hot potato. Oh yeah. Well, it did. Okay, fine. I'll keep going. So I kept going. And then I found out that, uh, her mother was impregnated by a vampire. And this was the only, the only impregnation from a male vampire to a female woman to come to term. So she is half vampire, half human. I'm like, wait a minute. I've heard, I've seen this before. Vampire Hunter D? Years ago. Yes. First in Vampire Hunter D, but also in Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Blade. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my god, I waited all this time for the answer, and it's something I like better? Son of a... Something done better somewhere else. Something better somewhere else. Now, after that point, the whole series is crap. I mean, Blade and Vampire Hunter D are better in pretty much every single way to this thing. Listen to me. If you watched Blade, and you thought, you know what? Blade should be a girl. Should have absolutely no training whatsoever and be mystically able to fight should have no backstory worth a damn but still consider herself relevant should have no consider no, no actual help whatsoever from anyone knowledgeable chris christopherson but still be able to get through any situation just by luck or sheer force of will then this is the this is the series for you if you're an intelligent human being don't watch it. It's not the series for you. It's stupid. It had a good idea in the beginning, but apparently they completely changed writers halfway through and then decided to go stupid. Well, they wanted so, to go full Twilight, you know. Yeah, they wanted to go full stupid. Just, oh, God. And the, the, the reason I hate it so much is that it hooked me early. It hooked me with possibility. The possibility of the answers I wanted hooked me early and once i got the answers i wanted they were so ridiculous and ri i don't i don't want to say retarded because that's not supposed to happen we're family from the organization yeah i know i i said it as an example there's there's a difference <laughs> i want to say this word but i'm not going to but no no i have it. to say it be because i don't have another word that is acceptable to use in this instance I wish the I, I wish the viewer to comment below and tell me the word I should have used. I want to know because it's that ridiculous, awful. the The acting was never great. Was never great. Serviceable, yes. Great, absolutely not. Not in the slightest. Serviceable enough to keep me with the possibility of hope going forward. Yes. Now. I hate myself and kick kick myself every time I remember scenes from <laughs> episode five on. I hate it. 
but that's the world I live in now, the world that this thing exists and my eyeballs have seen and my brain cannot wipe it. So I wish I could open my head, pour bleach in, it wouldn't kill me, it would kill these specific set of memories. That would be amazing. But this is the world we live in and that doesn't happen. So I'm stuck with this, please, for whatever deity you pray to's sake, do not watch this. Don't. Well, no, no worries about that. I'm not touching it. Good. Don't. That's that's my Van Helsing for RNG. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, what do I got for RNG this week? Nothing exciting, really. After that, I got nothing. Oh, don't say after that. I mean, anything is really good. I anything? Mean, well, Rainy, not anything. I mean. Thing? Okay, if, if you say Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie was better than Buffy the Vampire Slayer the series, then I got I don't want to know you. Well, everyone knows but... that's not true. I mean, you can't okay, even okay. I'm just saying. Sure. I'm giving okay. an example that's obvious to anyone with a brain. All right, fair enough. Um, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto V. It was on sale, so I bought it. And sale for what? For PlayStation 4. No, no, no. For how much? It's 30 bucks. 30 bucks is on sale? Yes. It's right. still going for 60. It's a very new game. Oh, wow. Okay. Got, so, we'll uh, got it. And uh, it is an excellent crime drama story. It really is. The voice acting, I will go so far as to say in every game I've ever played, I've never heard voice acting this good. Wow. That's, that's uh, high praise. The main characters, all of them, are incredibly spot on. They just draw you into the story, into the world that's going on. Some moments are laugh-out-loud funny. Others are generally disturbing. Uh, all the side quest stuff going on. Some of it's neat. You know, the characters are always kind of wacky, kind of fun. So I just, yeah. But the main story and the main characters are fantastic. I love setting up the heists that you do. Um, I wish there was a lot more of that. Sure. The interaction between the main characters are always believable. Uh, you got the... They're almost stereotype characters. More like I don't want to say stereotype, like template characters. Like you got the uh, master thief who is retired and drawn and drug back in, again, kind of against his will. You got um, the ex-partner who's crazy, who he screwed over when he got out of the business, mm. um, who is just bat bat nuts crazy, but gets stuff done because he has no limiter. Um, and then you got the young up and coming guy who's still green, but always willing to go the extra mile. And he's trying to, he's actually like the key that brings the team back together. You know, you got the hacker who sets the missions together. It's a great setup. It's, an, it's a great ensemble cast. Yeah. And like I said, the voice actors are all just knocking it out of the park. Every little thing, even just the stupid stuff. The voice actors are always knocking the park. Cool. I, however, the, it took more than the first hour to draw me in. Why is that? Well, the first thing you do in the game is you're kind of thrown in the middle of a uh, bank robbery. And they basically, to, they try and teach you the controls, like, all right, you do this, do that, do that. But, like, the message is, like, yeah, you're, if this is your full screen right here, right? That's your full screen. Okay. Um, your message of, like, what to do is about that big. Do this, and you got the rest of the screen to look at. You're trying to it's like, wait, how do I do that? What am I doing? And so you kind of mess up a few times figuring out the controls if you haven't been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto. Okay. Um, and you're kind of you have no attachment to characters. You don't know what's going on. It's a dramatic thing. It turns out later that 
the intro mission is actually like the last job they did. The reason it went to hell is because one of the main characters made a deal with the FBI mm. or the FIB, they call it. Um, it isn't like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to sell out my buddies. It was like one of the guys from the FBI contacted him and said, we know what you're going to do. And they gave him like an opportunity, like if you, you know, botch the mission, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of back and forth and it, he didn't want the rest of his team to get hurt. Go to jail. Okay, fine. But didn't want anyone killed because they were just going to kill them all. Right. After all the bank jobs they'd run, apparently. So mm-hmm. the part of the deal was his, he would fake the FBI would fake his death. He'd go into witness protection with a whole bunch of money he had in the bank. And the other two guys end up in jail then get out and everything would be fine. Right. And the FBI guys get their big break. They get to say they took down this unit, you know, anyway. But it all goes to hell where the team members end up dead, you know. Anyway, but the opening mission is kind of, you don't know what's really going on. You got no connection to them. It's a little dramatic. And then after that, it drops you into the modern day where one of the main characters, Franklin, and his buddy Lamar, who's not who's a sub-character, are talking about doing some minor job. And the amount of cursing and swearing and racial epitaphs they throw back and forth would make Quentin Tarantino blush. Really? Oh wow. my gosh. Oh, they can't do a sentence without uh, MFN in it, you know? Every sentence begins and ends with MFN, if you know what I say, what I'm saying there. Mm. Um, and it's like, what? it's just a little, it comes on way too strong there. And it took me a while. It's like, it's like I don't even know if I want to play it if it's just going to be yelling N-words at each other all the time. And Heathen Dog is gone. It was too strong for him. Anyway. I'm not gone. I'm just sneezing. But after that initial hump of that, once you're actually dropped into the game proper after those opening missions, it gets good. So usually if a game isn't really like fun in the first hour, to me it's done. This one gave it a bit more of a chance because all I've ever heard is how great it is. And like, oh, all right. So I gave it an hour and a half, two hours, and then it started getting good. Oh, good. It was a bit to grind through to get to. But then the story starts moving a little bit. It actually takes a, quite a while for the story to get rolling properly, but the game is fun. There are some wacky characters, interesting things going on. They start building backstory. And they do a great job building the backstory. Not just, here's everything, blah, go. It builds, so you, you get that connection to it, and you start to understand everyone's situation. And some things, like I said, some things are laugh, some things are laughing a lot funny, some things are just juvenile, some things are disturbing, and they do a nice balance in that. And, it, and so they really do a great job in that. And the GTA games have definitely evolved over time, but three was like the big watershed because it was a great crime story, and this is that as well. It's a great crime story. If you're a fan of uh, the old Law and Order stuff or Scarface, things like that, it, it actually is a really interesting game to play. Not everyone's cup of tea. There's some weird stuff going on. Some missions are just wacky to be wacky. But overall, it's, I, I'm near the end. It's been a great experience. And that's kind of what I've been doing in my spare time other than Star Trek Online. Well, it sounds like a fun ride. Yeah, it really is. I was... I'm not the biggest fan of the Grand Theft Auto series. I've played through most of them. 
But the story in there just has really impressed me. So I'll yeah. give it a four, four out of five, maybe even four and a half out of five. Ooh, high praise for Grand Theft Auto. That's Great nice. GTA Five. I don't know. Don't know next time it'll be on sale, but prices will, of course, go down. <laughs> now you can pick up all the old Grand Theft Auto games for pretty cheap. Sure. That's kind of like the old uh, Halo games. If you want to grab a old Halo game, you could probably grab one for five bucks or less. Halo, Halo Two, Halo Three—they're all like five bucks or less. Yeah, fair. That's because they're great games, but they printed five billion copies of them. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know, that's the thing with the Grand Theft Auto games. They're great games. Yeah, there's five yeah billion I mean, that, that's that's what GameStop is for now. I mean, they're not to buy brand new games to go eight months after brand new games come out and get brand new games that were, you know, sixty dollars for twenty. Yeah, pretty much. But the yeah don't one thing GameStop does that annoys me is if someone buys a game like I just bought Kitten Kickers 12 yay kick some kittens and they go they pay 67 bucks for it they play it for a week they bring it back wow that's a good kitten kicking I'd like to trade in this game three dollars it's not that bad it was like you know ten yeah. bucks at significantly most. less yeah if it's a game that they're really looking for maybe twenty. <laughs> And then they'll go and put it on the shelf as used. New copy, $60. Used copy, $58. Like, come on. It's true. Yeah, it's crap. Yeah, like like I said, you have to wait like eight months. Yeah, you got to wait like a year or something. Yeah, yeah. But that's usually – I usually buy most of my console games a year after they came out or more. Mm. That's when they come down to a reasonable price. Yep. They're either trying to get rid of the new stock because it's been there too long. It's got to go. Or there's used ones for a really good price. Mm-hmm. But that is my RNG today. Yeah, good deal. So have you? So hope you liked this. We certainly did. Well, mostly. Yeah, I say we liked it. I liked all of it, Dan. <laughs> Dang it! Dang I even it. liked complaining about Van Helsing because that sucked. It did suck. Yeah, everyone knows. Now. You know, it was so bad you had to get something good out of it, even if that good was complaining about it. There you go. Warning others: sacrificing your own brain cells. Life's an onion. Peel back a layer. Have fun. That's right. Cry a little bit. Peel that layer. Boom. Uh, as always, like, subscribe, and comment on Twitch, Twitch TV slash Legion of Myth, on Twitter at Legion of Myth, on the YouTubes, type in Legion of Myth, Discord, type in Legion of Myth, Reddit, type in Legion of Myth, Facebook Messenger, Facebook, Steam. As always, the audio You know version. what? Just just go to Google, type in Legion of Myth, and click everything. See what happens. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, really. Just do, do that over and over again. Just do that. That's great. That would be our recommendation. And the yep. audio version of this is available on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. As always, if you're listening to this audio stream and you like it, why not drop by iTunes and give us a five-star rating? Or a four-star. Whatever their max is, give it to us. We would do it for you. It really helps us out. If you want to support us, you can do it through Twitch subscriptions, patreon.com, slash Steam Streamlabs, directly through PayPal, or by buying our gear. Yes, shop. buy the gear. You get something physical you can wear or hold things in or hold coffee in. It's great. Yes. Do it. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash Easton. As always, special thanks to Twitch patron Hicks206, Adrian Hicks206, and Ilgarian. Through Streamlabs, Valdehar, Erwin Rommel, Nicole's Harem, Magical Catgirl Fanboy, Spectral Fire, Level 99 Catgirl Armor Lover, and Heathen Dog. 
through PayPal, Alan51. Thank you very much. It's your support and love that makes all this possible. And the stubbornness of the people who keep us. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Do you have any final words of wisdom you can done? Ugh. Very yeah, good. that's it. Ugh. And remember, everyone, you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great day.